Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And today we've got a couple things. We're going to talk about probably the biggest deal in not just gaming, but like the biggest acquisition I've ever seen in the tech world. Yeah. $69 billion. We'll talk about that. Nice. We'll also talk about maybe Google potentially being banned from shipping pixels in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of the little things. Yeah. But first, I bought a new car. You did it. I did. I've been seeing it in the parking lot. Yeah. We've talked to, I think I mentioned it in like October, but I finally pulled yeah. the trigger. Buying a car right now sucks um, for a million different reasons. Supply yes. chain mostly. I was, so as I've mentioned on here before, I clearly love EVs. I've wanted to get an EV for a long time. I think the issue is, is just price is still pretty expensive right now. And my car was towards the end of its life and I needed one a bit quicker, even though it still took me a while. So, you know, like waiting in line for an EV right now, especially the ones I was interested in are like coming out this year, but who knows when that'll actually happen. I still maintain that every year, I've said this like several times in videos, every year from here on for the next 10 years will be the most interesting year yet in EVs. And that probably just means every year that you wait, there will be... I don't want to say remorse, but like there will be way more better options in the EV world. It's easy to say that for all pieces of tech, right? Yeah, but especially one that's growing so from such a beginning like it is now. So so what car did you get? And I assume you had to deal with a dealership to do it. Yeah, so I wound up getting a 2022 Subaru Forester. So I was going to get a used car because I just thought maybe in two or three years I'll grab an EV when I think there's something more that fits my lifestyle right now. Mm Mm-hmm. I test drove a used car before this one was delivered to the lot. It had 30,000 miles on it, was two years old, and it was three grand more expensive than the new one I bought. So the market is just insane insane right now. It's crazy. I think, I'm assuming used car market is so expensive because if anyone's in those dire situations of needing a car, like that weekend, you have to be able to get something in the inventory. Um, But yeah, I'm super happy with the decision. I, I love the car so far. I'm happy to be in like a more... SUV-ish, like compact SUV, I guess. Does Mac like the car? (laughs) Actually, Mac doesn't love the car yet because Mm. I bought a cover for the back seat and it's mostly nylon and he he slides around. So if I ever like hit the brake too hard or turn a little too hard, I just hear like, shh. You hear him sliding around the back. Yeah, and it's got a little window in the like cover so I can see him and he's just in a (laughs) totally different spot. Um, Uh, But for me, it's just getting a car in like a new generation. Now I have... Things that are pretty standard, but for me are really, really awesome. It's got like a backup camera. I haven't had one of those. It's got like remote start with an app. Mm-hmm. The app's terrible, but it does have remote start so I can warm my car up. It's like 12 degrees outside, so that's awesome. Um, and then a couple other things like adaptive cruise control, which like it'll stay in the lane. It'll pick a car in front of me for a target and traffic. It's like not quite yeah. Tesla autopilot, but it's obviously like cars are getting that's, really good at stuff like that. I was going to say, we made a video not that maybe a two years ago on when we had the Buick here, just mm-hmm. on like the base tech stuff yeah. that comes with new cars. And it's pretty good. They're all connected to the internet in some way. Mm-hmm. They're all gadgets in some way. And they all have way more tech than they did years ago. So yeah, that is that is pretty good. Yeah. Speaking on that though, and talking about the bad app, I asked you this last night, and I don't know if you confirmed it yet, but does Tesla, or do we know if any cars out there, if the apps for like, 
preheating your car or cooling your car down can connect with like Google Home or Alexa or Apple? So I've seen a couple very basic things with uh, actually with HomeKit. Okay, people I was going to say Quinn Siri. would probably know this. Yeah, I think Quinn did a video where he had like, you know, you can have a Siri shortcut, open the door or open the front trunk of your car. So okay. you can ask Siri to do things to, to do your a car. Shortcut. I imagine that would apply also to like preheating it and things like yeah. that. I don't know about Google Assistant. I haven't actually seen that. I just looked it up real quick. There is a, uh, it looks like a third party service that will let you connect Google Assistant to your car, but you need to allow some permissions to make that happen. Okay. But- you can probably have it I would work if you want to. I would love to wake up at 7, say, Google, how's my day? It'll tell me the temperature, the weather, like the potential traffic report, and then know like at 7.50, I want it to start warming the car oh, up. Yeah. So when I get in at 8, it's warm and I don't have to. Right now, the Subaru app is you like press it, press the heat preset. You have to either put a pin or do a biometric and then confirm. And then you have to like hope that it works and like watch, but whatever. That's enough about that car. Like you mentioned though, I did have to get it from a dealership, mm -hmm. which dealerships and EVs lately, we've seen a couple articles in the news about. Um, I will start off by saying my experience was actually fantastic. I think I got really lucky. I think I had mm -hmm. a good salesperson, but I think we can all agree dealerships in general are like not something anyone looks forward to going to. Not at all. I Everyone, Everyone's dealership experience is different. Yeah. And so there will be a large range of different dealership experiences mm -hmm. ranging from great to nightmare, terrible, yeah. not good at all. Uh, so that's good. Yours was good. I feel like we saw, what was the one? Um, so we've seen a couple of big markups recently with markups. Yeah. That's the one that's, that's crazy to me. So first of all, dealerships are not actually directly associated with the car companies. Mm -hmm. They're not allowed to be in the U.S. I believe. Right. In yeah. the U.S. So this is a U.S. This is another U.S. centric thing. Yeah, but to just like explain it, it's kind of like terrible that basically you you have a, a dealership required to be the middleman between you and yes. the car manufacturer. Mm -hmm. So the car manufacturer is not directly selling you the car in most cases. Um, so you have, let's give like Ford as an example, because th yeah. this has actually happened. The Ford F-150 comes out, they ship them to a bunch of dealers, and then the dealers are in charge of how much they're going to charge for them, what sort of financing options they're going to give people, and et cetera, et cetera. They're in charge of the whole buying experience yeah. and servicing, et cetera. Uh, so a good dealer network does make a car manufacturer good, but, but it can a, also be a, a pain. A bad one makes it look bad. Yeah, a bad one makes it look which bad. Which is kind of what we've seen with, like, John Rettinger recently had a reservation in for the Mercedes EQS. That story and, was wild. Yeah, he got a text saying, oh, yeah, if you want to take delivery on this, it's going to be an extra $50,000. Yeah, and the order in which it happened. I want to actually, we'll probably, I'll have him on here eventually. I got to mm -hmm. have him talk to tell his side of the story. He's got but, a bunch of, he's also got the Lucid, so he sounds like he could do a whole episode right. on every, oh, a bunch of different things. Yeah. We should do that. But basically, he, he'd had a Tesla for a while. I'd have watched plenty of his videos on electric cars. He was like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling something new. I want to shake it up, shake it up a little bit. So he pre-orders a Mercedes EQS. We mm -hmm. made a video about this. It's a different EV. It's a large electric vehicle. It's pretty expensive, but yeah. you you get down in the uh, in the pre-order line knowing roughly how much you're going to you're going to pay based on the spec you pre-order. Mm -hmm. Then he gets an update after that point from the Mercedes dealer that he's going through that says, "All right, in order to take delivery of this car, it's actually going to cost you $50,000 more." because this car is in such high demand that this is what we could get for it. Yeah. Which is like, well, okay, I was going to pay one amount. $50,000 yeah. is a whole lot of money. Literally more than what I just paid it for It could my be car. an entire <laughs> another car. That's going to be how much extra you mark up. Even if you can afford it, like you have to say no out of principle. That's an absurd ask for most people. It's totally absurd. I'm. He's based in LA, right? Yeah, in California. If I'm going to assume there's a spot in the U.S. where somebody probably would pay that. Oh, no, that's somebody will pay yeah, that. That's, that's what's crazy. Yeah. So the dealership knows, like, oh, the, the car market is pretty crazy right now, and we get this in stock, and we know, based on probably others that we've sold after this, that somebody's going to buy this for 50 grand more. Yeah. And so we're going to get that money however we get it. Mm -hmm. So they raise up the price on John. John actually bails. Good. And he says no cancels that order, and he actually goes over, and he has actually one of the first Lucid Airs I've ever seen in the street by a buyer, so I'm also super interested in that yeah. experience. Um, I think he's making a review on it or probably a video hey, He's in point. the process of it. I think it's a long-term thing, yeah. So that'd be cool to see. Um, but the fact is that is just because of what a dealer has the power to do. Yeah, and do you know who looks 
to the worst in that entire position. Mercedes looks Merce pretty bad. Yeah, and yeah. it's a Mercedes dealer, which isn't directly Mercedes. So Mercedes looks terrible there. Now they're like this big luxury brand where like that's probably not the most uncommon thing when you have these like lesser made super luxury cars, especially in LA. But then we also saw an article recently about some Ford dealerships doing this with the F-150. Not F-150 quite, Lightning. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, the Lightning. It seems to be, I think what we're seeing right now is this mix of EVs being hyper popular, tons of new EVs coming out, and also insane supply chain issues. So yeah. we're seeing like it being harder and harder to get these EVs, so people are taking advantage of it. We're, it's all these extremes that are coming together to really show the root of the problem here. Yeah. Um, and with the F-150 Lightning, it's not quite the same in terms of the markup on the car, but what some dealerships were doing, and I think there was like two or three of these that there were reports on, is people would be pretty far in the line for getting their delivery, and the dealerships were asking them to play like five or ten extra thousand to kind of be at the front of the line. Mm -hmm. Hate it. Absolutely mm -hmm. hate it. Um, because of those people who actually like trusted in it and were excited to do it and put their reservations down early and had it for the right models that were going to come early now are potentially getting pushed back because no one wants to add five to ten thousand extra dollars onto yeah. a car payment. Yeah, but there's people out there that that's the thing. People, exactly, they're doing it because they know people will pay it. Yep. And when you have a product that's in such high demand and I guess technically low supply right now because mm -hmm. it's before it's even coming out. They're just jockeying for place in line. Yeah, people are going to pay that. Yeah. So they're taking and, advantage of and it. And Ford recently, had, I think, came out with 200, a number of like 200,000 pre-orders or something like that. And then, so they're expecting that limit to not even be fully delivered till 2023 because of production. And now they said they're upping their production and everything. We'll see that. I'm still fingers crossed we on it actually shipping. Yeah. Um, but we do know that Ford has told us personally that they're very, very adamant about like, making this rollout as smooth as possible to make sure to not leave a sour taste in the mouths of anybody who are early previous, adopters. Yeah, early adopters, previous ICE truck owners that are now switching to EV. They want that to be as seamless as possible. Mm -hmm. So Ford is now reacting. And then I guess that's the next thing we should talk about is how Ford's trying to deal with this because it's... Yeah. It, so, it's a hard scenario. I guess the one that, that caught my eye was the reselling that they're not allowing. Yeah. So do you want me to like kind of explain what they're doing? Yeah, Super sure. TLDR. So, yeah. so pretty much what they did was they're threatening dealerships to add, who are adding these like extra incentives to pay money to get further in the line. They're basically telling if they get caught doing any of that, then they'll severely limit the supply that they send during mm -hmm. the first few uh deliveries of of these trucks so they'll just not deliver it pretty much to the dealerships doing that and then i guess to kind of combat that and make the deal because the dealers obviously are trying to make as much money as possible um to combat that they're saying that they're not suggesting but they're saying they are open to and that they support adding a clause into the contract of selling that tells the buyer they're not allowed to sell the car within one year of purchase right so basically that's yeah. to, so anyone who is lucky enough to get an early F-150 Lightning yes. probably really wants to drive it. Yes. But there's going to be a percentage of people who got in line early and paid some extra dollars to move themselves up in line and get one early who just intends to flip it because they yeah, know Or it's even such, just got in normal, like without paying any extra because of them trying to combat that. But yeah, yeah, who are going to flip it? Yeah. People who are basically, basically scalpers, like, you know, what the PS5 has been going through for the past like mm -hmm. year and a half where it's Sneakers, like, if yeah. you can build some bot or get some way to get some early stock, it is in such high demand that you can just immediately turn around and sell it for 50% more than you bought yep. it for. And people will absolutely pay that. Yeah. And so Ford doesn't, you know, doesn't like the idea of scalpers well, getting yeah, away. Yeah, I, I think it's their like way of trying to like be like, we want to do this, so the Ford dealerships don't add that markup because the Ford dealerships are worried about losing out on that income that now just a scalper is going to get rather than the dealership. Yeah, so I guess it's it's them sort of and getting more control over the experience, mm -hmm. which is admirable. You know, I guess I understand it's, that you want to you want to control the buyer's experience and make it as good as possible. But like we said, like, uh, it's my truck. I want to exactly. sell it in six months or something. Sure. It's this really weird position where it's like, I think ultimately to prevent scalpers, it seems like the perfect decision of like anybody who's going to buy it and actually want to use the truck is obviously keeping it for a year. 
Yeah. But I just hate having the extra limitation. Like when you purchase something, it should be yours. This is something we talk about in Right to Repair all the time. It's like you're purchasing it. You're taking it off of their hands. It is your product now. You do what you want with it. Yeah. And as much not, as I hate yeah. scalpers, I still fully think you should be able to do what you, what you want yeah. with what you own. So, um, yeah. yeah. I also don't have a ton of pity for dealerships because in general, I don't love them. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's that's at the end of the day probably the 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 lesson learned is uh we could probably get away with not having dealerships if we went direct to consumer if car, if car yeah, companies I, could get direct to consumer they would love to do that. Yeah, I I would like to see a a kind of in between because right now we see Tesla doing direct to consumer and mm -hmm. in general I like that more. There clearly are still markups in that scenario like Tesla has raised the prices of their cars mm -hmm. and but you see that when you make the purchase. Um yep. So that's great. I don't like being surprised, obviously. There are some benefits to dealerships of the fact of like, my car broke, I need to get something this weekend. There's inventory on the lot. You can go test drive it. You have a salesman who's maybe, like most Tesla dealerships are usually like, you go and pick up your car. You do most of the stuff online. So there is that like brick and mortar aspect of it. There's an advantage. But sometimes. I would like to see um, like the companies running stuff like that and maybe yep. having that. There, I think there's a middle ground somewhere here. Um, but we don't see it yet. It's gonna take a while because it's a legislation issue and yeah. that takes a while. God uh, bless. Yeah. We'll probably <laughs> let's take a quick break and we'll talk about an even bigger legal action that happened. That's a perfect segue. Don't talk about it. Next. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for Waveform comes from Coda. So it can be tough to stay organized when your team is spread across time zones. With Coda, you can help keep your whole team on the same page with an all-in-one collaborative workspace that brings together the best of documents, spreadsheets, and apps into one platform. That means less time ping-ponging between different tabs and tools and more time on your projects. So with Coda's extensive planning capabilities, you can stay aligned when managing planning cycles and while measuring objectives and key results. Plus, you can access hundreds of templates and get inspired by others in Coda's gallery. So over 50,000 teams across the world collaborate with Coda, from the New York Times to Square, uh, from Toast to TED and Uber. So if you want a platform that enables and empowers your team to collaborate effectively and focus on shared goals, you can get started with Coda today for free. You can head over to coda.io slash wave. So that's coda, C-O-D-A dot I-O slash wave to get started for free. Coda.io forward slash wave. Welcome back. Uh, we are going to talk about gaming, Marquez's favorite. Let's go. Yeah. Um, but this was like, Gaming and the big, big news. Um, even you heard about it, I think. Um, I heard about the dollars. The dollars. Yeah. Nice dollars. Oh, yeah. Um, Microsoft, for those of you who don't know, uh, Microsoft just acquired Blizzard Activision for $69 billion. <laughs> Pause for, wait a second. Hold on. Okay. So, I, just, I saw the headline. Mm-hmm. And then I had to go back and because sixty nine billion dollars is so much money. I'm trying <laughs> to like is. put this into scale with like other existing companies that you could buy for sixty nine billion dollars. Let me just look up real quick. That's a good. Let me just look up real quick point. what Microsoft could have bought. So uh, I mean, right NKBHD now, is now is worth more than sixty nine billion. Of course, obviously, of course. Yeah. But just to look up a quick like, let's say Microsoft wanted to make a car. GM's market cap 
is $83 billion right now. Ford's market cap is $90 billion. So if you just wanted to like quickly spin up a Microsoft car, huh. you could, they could they could have bought Ford. They have a hundred, I think I checked yesterday, they have like $175 billion of free cash just to toss around, you know, spend on things. The surface still sucks that bad. <laughs> well, woof. <laughs> uh, they clearly have a priority in gaming, yeah, and we can talk about sure. why they chose to buy this company in the, yeah, in the past. Yeah, I, I want to talk about that very specifically later. Um, yeah, but, but that was just my 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 last, like, fun fact was that uh, Facebook bought Instagram for $1 billion back in 2012. What a $1 billion. steal. It looked like a lot of money back then. Yeah. That was one sixty-ninth of what Microsoft just paid for this company. So why are they so into buying Blizzard Activision? Okay, so if you're not aware, Blizzard and Activision are like is arguably one of the top tier game developers just in the world right now. Um, I'm sure I'm just gonna name a couple of the games, like their biggest ones, and I bet you you've heard of all of them. Okay. All right, we have Warcraft, mm -hmm. Starcraft, mm -hmm. Diablo, yep. World of Warcraft. Sure. Call of Duty. Yep. And this one actually surprised me, but they own Candy Crush also. Which little little irk here when you're listing from the official <laughs> Xbox account it made you so mad. the games that you own. If you put Candy Crush in front of StarCraft, I'm going to lose my mind. That was funny because Candy Crush is probably exactly. the most popular game totally. that they own. Yep. And as far as like household, like when you see this on the the nine o'clock news where they're like, mm -hmm. find out why Microsoft paid bazillions of dollars for this thing, they're probably going to say it's the owner of Candy Crush and maybe oh, World man, of Warcraft, like the two most popular <laughs> Call of Duty, yeah. Call of Duty, yeah. But yeah, as far as like total yeah, this, gameplay time, my irk with it is yes, Candy Crush is obviously making them more money. StarCraft Two came out eleven years ago. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot to it, but StarCraft is like iconic it is just completely iconic in the gaming industry i'm esports i don't think is where it is today without starcraft it's like one of the first major watched esports out there devil's advocate um, is mobile gaming where it is today without candy crush like we had a couple know, we had a couple I, big like segments we had the farmville era you remember farmville yes like that, but that was like facebook gaming basically yeah. uh, and then we had like mobile puzzle gaming come up with Candy Crush, everybody mm. played Candy Crush, and now everyone's got some type of mobile game. We all just played Wordle last week. It's not that it came from Candy Crush, but mobile gaming spiked hard early. This is totally hypothetical. I don't uh, actually know if this is true, but, <laughs> but Candy Crush is Candy Crush brought mobile games to the scene, and that is a uh, just as iconic. I as feel Starcraft. like steam is coming out of my ears <laughs> right now. Um, yeah. No, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, if I if I were if I had the opportunity right now to be given a a game to make money off of, I would pick Candy Crush over StarCraft a billion times over if I mm. cared about money, which Six obviously nine. if you're spending that much money, you want something that makes it. But just like, oh man, yeah. just, it's just not the fix purest, your tweet. It's not the purest gaming headline you would have asked for. No, it made, yeah. me, a, it's, it made me salty. But okay, that's, that's that. That's like the little tiny gripe that I had with it. Um, I also wanted to point out, or I wanted to play a little game with you really quick because you said you've heard of StarCraft, right? Yes. Have you ever played it? No. Okay. It's like a top-down real-time strategy game. I've seen people play it. Okay, okay. So, like, you know, you're just controlling a bunch of troops and everything. I mm -hmm. just want to, like, real quick, little fun thing. I've posted a picture of the three races you can play in there, and I want you to pick which race you would want to play. So their names are Terran, Zerg, and Protoss. Um, blue is Terran, red is Zerg. Gold is Protoss. And I just want you to solely based off this picture, pick which race you think looks um, the coolest and you would want to play. I'm going to go Zerg yeah. for a couple reasons. Number one, it's in the middle, so it's clearly a primary character. Okay. Number two, the one on the left and the right are both like sort of humanoid with armor, where the one in the middle, Zerg, is this sort of animal, which implies a little more strength, a little more power. Okay. It doesn't need as many artificial armor things. The one on the right's more alien like type. Okay. But yes, the left is human. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm Taran going with is human. I'm going with that okay. dragon thing. Zerk, I just honestly wanted you to do this because I feel like um Am I going to get roasted for picking th that? That's just the thing. It, it's not whichever you pick. Oh. You'll get it's like roasted a Pokemon. For. Zerg is from what I remember <laughs> and there might be balancing things, but like Zerg was generally the hardest to play because it was like the the other ones are a little more overpowered for certain reasons. But I I was terrible at StarCraft, so um, I did watch a lot of it. But anyways, um, I have kind of three main 
questions, concerns, things I want to talk about mm -hmm. in terms of this acquisition. Sure. Number one, I hope Bobby Kotick, the CEO of Blizzard, gets fired immediately. Um, mm -hmm. I will let everybody do their own research on what's happened, but there is a lot of cover-up on a lot of really terrible things. I think he's a terrible person. Um, Adam, you can bleep this off Bobby um I he's gonna get a paid out, payday out of this and it makes me really mad but I'm glad he'll just be out of it because I really really like Blizzard and I really like the games that they make and I don't want him to have any part of it okay moving on the next thing is there is a game World of Warcraft which is one of their bigger games in terms of Blizzard has a monthly subscription base to it and I'm really interested now with Microsoft Game Pass which is a monthly subscription for games right. if things like World of Warcraft or even in the future that take monthly subscriptions with it will potentially be added in Game Pass. Yeah. Um, I think this is super niche. I could see that happening. I mean, right? right now, so we have Xbox, the Game Pass subscription service. We also have what, you know, Sony has been trying to do with the PlayStation and just generally like companies trying to make enticing packages for their gaming mm -hmm. platforms. We're going to see a version of this for AR. I mean, how many developing studios is facebook gonna buy before we realize that's what they're <laughs> yeah. building right. so yeah i feel like that that could easily happen and they could build in it into xbox game pass the exclusivity part though would it be just in game pass or would it be like the option to pay a subscription in game that's pass? that's even a good point so like sure. that's why i think this kind of comes down to could this be it'll also based on price of game pass plus price of subscription i believe subscription is 14 dollars a month so it's like for one game that you already had to pay for Wow. So, like, it's not cheap. As a World of Warcraft player in the past, it blows. <laughs> um, but, like, I'm interested in that. I'm also just, like, what I think is really cool about this and Game Pass is Game Pass, and I think they're calling it something else, they're really trying to focus on cross-platform, which makes so much sense for yep. Microsoft because they're obviously Windows and they're obviously Xbox. And cross-platform, ever since Fortnite, really, has just been absolutely blowing up. It's yeah. It's, like, what makes or breaks a game, I feel like, recently, in terms of multiplayer, at least. And it makes such perfect sense for Microsoft to do this because a lot of these games are already cross-platform. Diablo, Overwatch, I don't know about StarCraft, um, but Call of Duty, like these are all games that are already very good at yeah. um, being on console and on PC. I don't know if all of them are specifically cross-platform, but this gives it the option. Yeah. So I think that's really, really cool. You can play on the Surface Duo, theoretically. Sure, you can with its cool At touch. 90 hertz, that's not bad. No. Yeah. You kind of derailed me on that one. <laughs> um, and But going on to the third thing I kind of wanted to talk about here, you briefly mentioned is exclusivity. Mm -hmm. So we all know one of the reasons PlayStation is so good is because of all of its exclusive all content, games right? games are just PlayStation only. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, most of those are single-player games, right? Like we have Spider-Man... Spider-Man's the main one I think of. Spider-Man, like, Miles Morales now is the latest one. There's still some stuff like... Uh, like the 2K franchise games, for example. They're on everything, right? Um, Are they? No, they're on everything. Okay. But you kind of have to, it, it's kind of like iMessage. Like it works better oh, if you if you have yeah. like the, the features with the, the PlayStation. It'll work better when you're playing okay. the, the person on the PlayStation. Interesting. But yes, a lot, of the, a lot of the games are Sony only. So like if I want to make a big headline here, that probably won't happen. But like Call of Duty potentially being exclusive to Xbox and PC and taken off of PlayStation would be great. It would be That'd a be huge, huge industry shakeup. You're talking about one of the biggest multiplayer games just because of like how it's played on so many consoles and how mm -hmm. big it is. And so many people play on PlayStation that you would lose a big customer base, but the amount of people next gen console that are buying Xbox over PlayStation because of it. Yeah. Huge. I think I could see them doing that with the long play with the next version. Yeah. Right. So like currently, you know, Microsoft just bought, you know, the entire company that includes Call of Duty. It's like, OK, so we're not going to take it away from the PlayStation 5, but best believe the next version of Call of Duty will come out before the next yeah. consoles. And so when you're going to buy that next console, that version of Call of Duty is going to be Xbox and PC only. So when oh. you do come up to the next cycle of what console you're going to buy, now that's going to factor in because I don't think yeah. ripping it out of the store. I remember when Apple bought Dark Sky and it just got uh, pulled yeah. from the Play You're, Store. You have a good, really good point there. Yeah. I, I don't think they rip it out. I honestly don't think they go exclusive either. But if we're talking about an, a scenario, the scenario right now is PlayStation was far more hyped than Xbox. Mm -hmm. it, it's still almost impossible to get. Yep. You can get Xboxes. They are still tough with supply chain stuff. But like 
think we can all agree the PlayStation 5 is way more hyped than yeah. the Xbox Series X. I don't even know the name exactly, but that's mostly because that their naming sucks. <laughs> yeah. um, so being able to pull something like Call of Duty as an enticing element to bring you onto Xbox is yeah. not a bad chip to have in your hand. It's not out of the question. That's yeah. Exclusives get played all the time in the console wars as like chips for these manufacturers to want mm -hmm. you to pick one over the other. If you spent $69 billion on this game studio, yeah, I'd say you make some of those little exclusive to your platform and take advantage of that. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm really interested to see what that is. Um, and then I guess that kind of falls into my like last overall point here, which is obviously the main thing gamers in general should worry about with this is just like getting closer and closer to the monopolization of top tier gaming developers. I mean, Microsoft is already huge as it is and now grabbing Blizzard Activision as like arguably being one of the biggest. Mm -hmm. It's scary. Yeah. It's scary because of things like exclusivity and stuff like that and the way they make games and all that. Um, I think one really good thing about this is lately in the last five years, we've seen indie developers really make some like very, very, very popular games. I mean, you think Among Us, Fall Guys, PUBG, like those yeah. aren't coming from these top tier like AAA, I think that's it's AAA, AAA yep. right? Mm -hmm. um, like, so we are seeing some other things where these little guys can kind of squeak out there and create really good stuff. It doesn't have the support, although Call of Duty is apparently a total mess. I'm sure Tim could come in here and rant about all the mm -hmm. cheaters that are going on right now. Um, but I think it's safe to say for Microsoft, this is an amazing acquisition in terms of money in your pocket. That's what I was going to ask. So do you... Whenever there's like a big like sports team trade, uh -huh. the question is always who won the trade? Microsoft. You think Microsoft won? So oh, my yeah. question is like, is $69 billion a good price? Yeah. $69 billion is only possible because of all the controversy that Blizzard's in right now, I think. I think okay. they I think most people agree with this. Microsoft bought this at a discount. Wow. Because of how many issues they're having. Like it, it really did. And again, I don't want to get too deep into all the stuff that happened, but it is out there for everyone to, to read. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of really bad stuff that was going on in those companies. And I really hope they deal with that. And I hope Microsoft can do it better. Yeah. Because they make amazing games. Like I really, really love Blizzard stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely at that price. It has to be a long-term play. You're not going to make <laughs> yeah. $50 billion next year and it makes up for itself. It's like this is this company, Microsoft, committing itself in the next decade to gaming in a lot of ways with Xbox and with all the stuff they're oh, yeah. building. So it kind of reminds me of like whenever we see Facebook buy a new game developer, it's like, yeah, they're willing to spend a lot of money to get ahead of all the money they think they're going to make when AR gaming mm -hmm. becomes a big deal. So I think I see $69 billion. I'm like, well, okay, Microsoft clearly believes this is going to keep going. I would even argue that like this is barely even a future move. The the games they're taking right now are so big already. Call of Duty. It, it's like the amount of money, money you can does... make off Call of Duty is absolutely crazy. I have no idea. Candy how much Crush is is nuts. Candy Crush it, probably makes a couple billion dollars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably. And then the funny thing is, is the Blizzard games are like almost all of them are due for like some sort of refresh. I mean, Overwatch Two has been hyped for a while, still isn't out yet. Starcraft Two was made in twenty ten. Where StarCraft 3, like oh, they're gonna be fine. Yeah, they'll be they're totally fine. Oh, yeah, what are the numbers? Candy Crush revenue in 2021. Uh hold on, let me let me find an accurate number because supposedly Call of Duty in November of 2021 made 30.37 million just in November. Just in November, which is like that's a lot. If you multiply so, that out, if you take that as an average for 12 months, that's 300, 400 million, which is not a lot in compared to, to 70 billion, billion it's not very much yeah and apparently candy crush generated 1.19 billion dollars in 2020 that's wild um call of duty also that november number is like from a game that's out already like that's not including like release date of things so like they'll be uh, huge huge spikes when you're paying full price for a new game um and they they churn those out so dang yeah I think this is an insane win for microsoft and a semi worrying thing for gamers in general god they make so much money candy crush had 857 million in profit in 2020 jesus all right well you know what i think you won microsoft yeah i think you made the right call all right let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about a little more news
Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI power gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte. Team up. Fight on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, so there's a, a news headline the other day called Google products may be banned from importing into the United States. Or I think it even some of them were more specifically like you might not be able to buy a Pixel 6 in the U.S. You know that reminds in the next me of, 60 days. Isn't there like a rule about, well, when there's a question mark in a headline, the answer is always no. That's I think this is one of those. It's like, will Google phones be banned in the U.S.? Probably not. Yeah. But there is some legit. If, if you're interested in the story behind it, um, we're just going to do a pretty quick TLDR here because I thought it was interesting to talk about. Yeah. Um, so what we're mostly seeing or what what is stemming from this whole scenario is pretty much Sonos filed copyright infringement lawsuit against Google for five different copyrights. It's it, pretty much all of them have to do with like home audio systems and pairing and volume control like easy wireless, wireless all stuff audio from that. Stuff. Yeah, yep. a lot of audio interface stuff. So, so it seems like kind of mundane because like Google should obviously be able to do all of that stuff themselves. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, maybe they just found a way to do it because it's volume controls, it's pairing, whatever. Um, but Sonos filed the copyright infringement and the ITC actually ruled that and validated that Google infringed on all five patents that they listed. So not a great look, despite Google denying that they didn't do that, of course. Um, mm-hmm. So they're going to have some issues now with that. And now this doesn't just affect Pixel phones. It's like if you think of Pixels and and anything Google makes, Pixels, Chromecast, Nest, Google Home, there's multiple different ways and, and, and speakers that Google have that are probably using this infringed system. So because of that and because they're copying something from a U.S. patent that's with Sonos, it could potentially ban importing of products with that infringement on it into yeah. the US. So like now we're thinking of potentially not being able to get your Pixel 6. You might not be able to get any Pixels. You might not be able to get a Google Home or a Chromecast or a Nest imported in any way. Um, I don't see that ever happening because there's a couple ways around this. Number yeah. one, Sonos said that Google can pay royalties for the technology. Of course. Um, I would, I'm would. i sure Sonos would love if they did that. I'm yeah. sure Google will find 
some sort of way to get around this, whether hopefully that doesn't involve watering down all their stuff and making it harder for consumers. The way I kind of see this here is like, it's just pairing your speakers. I guess volume controls a little more, but it's like yeah. pairing your speaker once, not that huge of a deal. But but like I totally understand Sonos should be mad about this. They made it. They got an official ruling that it That's, copied them enough. Like that is a I'll win. Be mad. It's a win yeah. for Sonos. You know, it's funny. Sonos is one of those companies where I hear about them constantly. I've never used any of their products. I've never actually owned like a Sonos setup or a Sonos yeah. speaker pair or any of those well, things. Well, our like, Bixby speaker is a Sonos speaker. Right. We, we had one and I we literally never used it. We just turned it into a Bixby <laughs> yeah. speaker. So I got, I always wonder, like, people really like Sonos. They're, I, if you look on their site, they're very expensive. They're premium. They clearly do a good job. Mm -hmm. So the fact that Google infringed on their patents must mean they're doing something, right? Yeah, they clearly are. They're doing well. So that's uh, that'll be interesting yeah. to see what, the, what Actually, Google does. Adam's a sound person. Have you ever um, fully embraced a Sonos setup? Not personally, but I've reviewed them in the past, and they're pretty great. Really, pretty great. Yeah. I was gonna they're say they're great. Not, they're very easy to set up. Now that I've okay. now that I own like a house and not just doing it in like an apartment, it, mm. it's definitely more of something I would be interested in. Maybe I should um, look into them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's less for well, not less for, but it's like if you're a real home theater geek, they're probably not for you. But if you're just trying to like play music in different rooms and things mm -hmm. like that and you want it to sound good, then yeah, they're yeah. pretty great. Okay. Yeah, at this point, I don't do a whole lot of playing music in different rooms. Do, do, they, do they do outdoor speakers? They, I think they have an outdoor. They have like I would they have that. a TV speaker. They have a like a small Bluetooth speaker. They have an outdoor. Yeah, I was going to say they have, they have Bluetooth speakers. That I don't know about outdoor speakers. I still, I like, well, and Sonos wouldn't help this, but like Google, hear me out outdoor Google Home Max or just outdoor mounted Google Home that I can like run through my siding or up through my attic because I want my Google Home outdoor waterproof where I can, like I don't like bringing Bluetooth speakers to like a barbecue at my house because mm -hmm. if I walk away with my phone, I either have to leave my phone there or oh, yeah. walk away and it dies. So I just bring my Google Home outside and put it on the deck and everyone can play from it if they're on the Wi-Fi. No one's having con like connection issues. Just give me an outdoor one that I can leave out there so it can get rained yeah. on. I like how nobody even expects anything close to that from Apple. Like we got a HomePod uh, yeah. and then we got a HomePod mini. And you can like, afford right, it. We're be done. happy. Like Apple, <laughs> can't. Apple's not going to do seven or eight more HomePod variations. They did colors though. They did a bunch of HomePod colors there we go. for mini. Um, and you can pair some HomePod minis in stereo and that's a thing. But yeah, no, I, I think my takeaway from this is, huh, Sonos is doing something right. Maybe I should check out some Sonos stuff. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. I also wanted to deliver a quick eulogy. <sighs> we lost a good friend, um, and that friend's name was YouTube Originals. Mm -hmm. The YouTube Originals program is officially just sort of being wound down. There's actually going to be like one or two that still exist. Um, but for the most part, all of the different shows, like I don't know if you've watched any YouTube Originals, but um, all the different shows that existed under that umbrella that were Roper funded, ones, yeah. loved that one. Can Amazing. You Survive the Movies by Jake so Roper. Good. Vsauce had um, an entire series. Let me find the name real quick. Vsauce. The Can You Survive the Movies? The Harry Potter one was fantastic. I love them. Casey was a gem in that. Yeah. You were also in it on the Mad Max one. I was in a Can You, you Survive were. the Movies episode, which was sick. That series was Emmy nominated. Yeah. Um, I also really liked Minefield by Vsauce. That that YouTube I original. Seen that actually. It was just a sort of a a brain related type of thing. There was one where he's he was in like a, a completely blank room with the lights on for like two straight days or something crazy oh. like that and slowly went crazy with the cameras. Oh, it was great. Um, Retro Tech is also another YouTube original. Yep. So that's a fun, like, you know, we had a lot of fun. We learned a lot from Retro Tech, both the production side of it and the actual research and making the show. Had a lot of fun with it. We did two seasons of it. The first season was also Emmy nominated, which mm -hmm. was sick. Um, but yeah, just the program itself was cool because it actually gave creators uh, a little bit of funding, a little bit of extra backing to do something yeah. bigger Help. that you might not have actually originally been able to do. Uh, so I know people like Jake were like super into that. Like mm -hmm. how else would you find the resources to put together such an incredible show and just put yeah. it out for free on the internet, put it out on YouTube. So uh, yeah, it's it's sort of winding down. I wonder... If there's something that's going to be spun up to replace it, I guess not. It's probably still sort of being worked on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, RetroTech, as we know it, is over. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean maybe we can't get our hands on the IP and do our own season. I think that yeah, would that, be fun. That'll be a 
We'll figure that out later. We'll work on that. We'll figure that um, out. That's obviously some legal conversations. But um, the fun fact of this is YouTube's uh, put a lot of backing into getting a lot of impressions for retro tech. Oh, yeah. And I just pulled this up because some of you might not know this. The most viewed video I've ever made is actually a TikTok. But the second most viewed <laughs> video I've ever made is the first episode on the Game Boy for RetroTech. And that has 33.7 million views. But it has that many views because it was paid for many times over by the originals team to be mm -hmm. impressions for, you know, just all over the internet. You can just find it as running as a pre-roll. It's recommended alongside stuff. It has 2.2 billion impressions. Oh, you didn't read that number before. Holy yeah, cow. That's a lot. So it has a 0.4% click-through rate, obviously. So... It is cool. It is cool that it has a lot of impressions and they just, we shared it to as many people as possible. Um, but I also had my own theory that uh, some of these pumping metrics actually sort of were like an anchor on the channel. Like mm -hmm. the average view duration on this 23 minute video is uh, one minute and 50 seconds. That's brutal. So when you add up 33 million views with an average view duration of one minute and 50 seconds, I think that legitimately drag the channel's average view duration down. Typical which is YouTube, interesting. yeah. So, so there's some weird quirks about the Originals program like that. Um, but at the end of the day, we did get to do something really yeah. cool with RetroTech. And here's my my plea now to, Go uh, I guess it's still Google, but YouTube. Mm. Okay, so would you agree that YouTube Originals was like, part of that was to try and entice people to go into YouTube Premium? Because a lot of times, like, either they were locked behind YouTube Premium or with RetroTech, mm -hmm. it was like you could binge all of it before they came out week by week. Right. YouTube Premium needs a, has an issue right now, and mm -hmm. ad-free is great, but it needs something more enticing. Um, and I've said this many times before, and many people have done this, but like copy Twitch Prime. When you have YouTube Premium, give somebody, give those users every month one free channel membership. Mm -hmm. And then they can use it from different channels. They can use it. They can unlock perks. Maybe it's the first time they ever join a channel so they can see what like the private discords are like or But then they get sub sued badges. by Twitch. There's, <laughs> get out of here. That's not happening. They already they to, like did the YouTube's subscription banned. thing and they did emotes. It's already the same thing. Yep. Like they're trying to drag more people into live streaming on YouTube. This would help that so much. It would help other creators because they're going to get paid that little cut of the subscription aspect of it, the mm -hmm. membership aspect of it. But it's also gonna help other creators because if my first month I decided to join the MKVHD channel, I'm like, oh, this is really cool, but now this channel over here I really like, they have a membership program either. Maybe next month I'm gonna try that and then miss the MKVHD one. Mm -hmm. So now I'm gonna spend my own money and get the membership over there. Right. It seems so obvious and I'm sure there's some reason why they haven't done it, but throw that in the garbage and do it anyways because I'm clearly the expert in this Yeah, there's, there's so many things that I think YouTube should try. Yeah, and just try it. that's clearly one of them. That would be super uh, smart. If you can try creating your whole own YouTube originals and buy whole production teams with YouTubes, you can try free memberships for a month I think or it, a couple months. I think they're basically were sort of coming at Netflix. Like everywhere you look yeah, on YouTube, whenever you see anything like officially backed by YouTube, it's always, it always seems to be YouTube attacking old media. Like mm -hmm. YouTube wants to, you know. Netflix is old media now. It's, it is. It's, I mean, but TV though, like every yeah. time they bring those like t late night shows and they get promoted and trending and everything. And it's like, this is just YouTube trying to replace TV. Yeah. And Netflix was one of those like other larger established, tra not traditional, but everyone understands what Netflix yeah, yeah, is. Yeah. And YouTube going, hey, we can do that too. Look, we have all these original content pieces that are only available on YouTube and they're they're paid for just like Netflix stuff, but it's really good. It's worth paying for it. Mm -hmm. You want to be a subscriber too, don't you? Um, and I wish they sort of pushed in the other direction too of like supporting, and they kind of are doing a little bit of this, but supporting like the newer creators, supporting the shorts and the and the TikToks of the world and all these, you know, creator-made things the that are already streamers. being built, the live streamers. So I kind of, I want all, all of it to be successful, yeah. but that's just the way I see like most of YouTube's most visible efforts is like we want to be traditional media, which is fascinating. No. Also, one last random stat. Nice. The uh, RetroTech Game Boy episode has the highest female to male ratio of any video on the channel. Is it double digits? It is. What you do you put think? like? <laughs> it's crazy. First of all, we're joking about this because it's something we 
would love to have I, much much better but yeah. i don't i don't remember i've been here five years now and i don't remember a single video with as many tech digits. videos as we make basically i'm always trying to make it as broadly helpful and appealing as possible but something we've noticed is mostly men and and guys watch tech videos and so the overall, our tech, yeah. yeah, our tech, but tech videos in general. Yeah, yeah, in general. Sure. Um, I don't know any any tech channels, both male or female creators, with over a ten percent female uh, viewership. Mm -hmm. So yeah, mine's been around seven or eight percent for a long time, and we're always like, oh, well, maybe this one will be double digits. Maybe maybe the iPhone video will get over ten percent or something mm, like that. Because it's so broad, it's just like you right. assume it's it just, leaks a little past the tech. Exactly, it's the everyone audience. Uh, do you want to take a guess at what the Retro Tech Game Boy episode 10 .1. is? It's a little, it's higher than that. 10.2? It's higher. 11? Is, it is over 20. Whoa. Yeah. Let's go. 23.6%. Oh, wait, but these were served as ads. Right, this was served to oh, like the world. Oh, man, but it's just still as, that bad? It's the Game Boy, you know, it's like this universally, everyone knows what yeah. the Game Boy is, and it was served to 2 billion people, but out of all the people who clicked it, out of all the 33 oh, million who actually clicked it, 23% okay. were female. So okay. that's a fun Fun little fact. We'll so take shout, our out, shout out to YouTube Originals for uh, for bending that ratio a little bit. Uh, that's all we got for this yeah. week. It's going to be, is it February next time we talk? No, it's not. No, it's no, still no. January. no, but it is our 100th episode next oh, time Oh, that's talk. the next episode. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we're going to have to do something big yeah. or something special. Huge. Something fun. Yeah. That'll Definitely be the, sitting down in these chairs again. Though. Yeah, that'll be the that's teaser. That's how big it is. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I cool. Nice. I don't have any other teasers. Thanks for watching, listening. <laughs> Catch you guys in episode 100. Peace. Waveform is produced by Adam Molina. We're your partner with Vox Media, and our intro music was created by Vane Sill. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more strengthen security posture, and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA.